I'm so, I'm so hungry. What's good to eat here at the Kentucky Fried Chicken, man? What's, uh, what do you have on the menu that's good? Oh, um, our mashed potatoes are awesome. All right, I'll say that right now. And, uh, oh, our corn is really sweet and crunchy. That's really great. And, oh, we have these um, little, like, popcorn chicken things that are kind of breaded. I like those. And, oh, duh, if you get the mashed potatoes, you got to get the gravy. The gravy is so tangy. It's really good. Okay, stop right there. Um, can you pile all of those items into a uh, single bowl? Just kind of make them into a, a wet mound of starch that I can eat with a spoon like I'm a death row prisoner on suicide watch. Can I just have that instead? Um, yes, we can do that. Um, we can also arrange those on a plate like you're an adult with dignity and self-respect. You don't have to actually eat your food out of a single bowl. Fuck that, I'm done, I don't give a shit. Just pile all those things in a bowl. Is there a way that the bowl can play This Mortal Coil's It'll End in Tears album while I'm eating it at two in the morning in my darkened apartment, just kind of stare into the middle distance? KFC's Famous Bowls, that's their top-selling item. Can't keep them up. America has spoken. Pile my food in a fucking bowl. I don't give a shit. I'll have it all in one fucking... I just want kind of a light brown hillock of glop. If you could put my lunch in a blender and liquefy it and then put it into a caulking gun and inject it right into my femoral artery, even better. But until you invent a lunch gun, I would like a failure pile in a sadness bowl. Is that is what I want. Give me pile my food. America eating my lunch from a single bowl in my parents' basement where I'm living. Happy birthday, I'm 43. That's how I want my lunch. I don't want to waste those precious calories chewing. Somebody move my jaw for me. <laughs> Jesus, come work my jaw and help my sloppy pile of food go down. greatest opening to any comedy album I have ever fucking heard. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Just a Tad on the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and you are Ted. Just Ted. One listener for this episode. Hi, Ted. How's it going? Uh, nah, my name is uh, Sam, and you guys are here to talk uh, about all things comedy and dissect the shit out of it. And today we're talking uh, very quickly 
about uh, one of the uh, my personal favorite comedy albums of all time. Uh, that's Pat Oswalt's Werewolves and Lollipops. Uh, it was uh, his second album, I believe, and uh, it was recorded in July uh, 2007. Uh, great comedy album. And here's the thing. I recently uh, was out east in Canada. Uh, I did a nice little road trip. I went through uh, Montreal. That's fun. I went through St. John. That was nice. I went through Halifax and had to drive all the way back. It was a nice little road trip. I got to see the countryside that I've never seen before. I got to see parts of that this new land that I live in that I've never seen before. But the downside is when I had to drive back, it was fucking 16-hour drive. It was fucking atrocious. So, I was, uh, I, I got to catch up on a lot of uh, old comedy albums I have not listened to in a very long time. This being one of them. And I'll tell you, it's so good, I listened to it back to back. Like, I listened to it and realized, holy shit, this is so good. And, li- and then, boop, went right back to the front, listened to it all the way through just to study it. And, uh, which is why I'm talking about it today, here. Uh, this is... Easily, I th- and I, I'm, I'm trying to stretch back as far as my tiny little brain can remember and think, well, is there any other album that opens up this strong? I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to do so. That is such a fun, unique way. I, I mean, th- there's that old adage in stand-up comedy to open up with your second best bit and then close with your first best bit. Uh, it's a dumb rule. I don't know who the fuck said that. Some dude in the 80s. However, uh, goddamn, dude. He fucking opened up with a closer for sure. And just dry. Just went into it. Uh, it, it just went into character work. All of it. I love this fucking bit. Uh, that you guys just heard. Uh, now let's dissect the shit out of this, right? Um, Patton's, uh, Patton's been doing comedy for a while. So he's a goddamn master. Uh, and... The first thing that I like about it is he's more known for his uh, wordplay, which it comes in truckloads in this uh, bit. But I really like how the structure of this opening bit is just him doing character work. There's not a lot of silly voices uh, as much as other character work that people do, but... There really is character work that sets a narrative of, at first you think, okay, uh, it's just going to be a guy at Kentucky Fried Chicken ordering something shitty, but it, he's almost kind of giving you a uh, <laughs> an origin story of how that bowl came about. It was just some sad dude that went to Kentucky Fried Chicken hungry and ordered, he was like, oh, what do you guys got to eat, right? And you think, oh, he's just going to make fun of the chicken that is farmed, like, harvested. And he's going to be like, oh, that chicken doesn't have buttholes. That's where you think it's going to go. And he's like, no, can you pile that all together? And then that becomes the origin story of these famous Kentucky Fried Chicken Bowls. Just pile all my food in a fucking bowl. I don't give a shit. And that's it. That's what the... The beauty of that character work is that sad man of a character that, uh, quote-unquote, created this uh, weird amalgamation of Kentucky Fried Chicken's best menu items. It's just a sad man who's given up on life, 
and said, you know what, just do me a favor, pile that all in a bowl. And the meta joke to this whole thing is that he's like, yeah, uh, America has spoken. They also feel like he, it's almost a commentary on America that some sad, depressed 40-year-old man uh, lives in his parents' basement out of just sheer depression and <laughs> and lack of willpower decides to get all of those things in a uh, in a bowl and then everyone else in America we all decided like yeah no that's a that's a really good idea like we're, we're that's our leader that's the guy who's depressed and sad at the time like that yep nope that's what we all we all enjoy that we all <laughs> we all want our food piled in a fucking bowl um, and I just love how over the course of what three minutes that character just keeps blossoming it's it's a well that you think is tapped and then he just keeps pulling buckets of water up and you're like how much comedy does this fucking kentucky fried chicken bowl bit how how far how much water is in this motherfucker because anybody else myself included all right like if i were to attack it it would be maybe three lines of uh, you know, I can give myself credit enough to say that I would maybe think on the level of Patton to be like, you know, this is a this is a shitty bolt. Like he has a that famous line of this is a failure pile in uh, a sadness bowl. You give me enough time, I could probably come up with that line, right? And the way I'd get to that line is, have you seen these Kentucky Fried Chicken Bowls? They're like a failure pile on a sadness bowl. And then that would be like the first punchline. And then maybe I'd do co- like, a, if, if I was lucky enough to think of, oh, I'll do a character, I'd maybe go into like, oh, I'm a sad guy who's, who's sad and just wants a, a sad pile of bowl food. And then that, and then that would be the end of the Kentucky Fried Chicken bit, and it'd go more into like, who would do this? And then I'd make fun of the person that would do that. Whereas Patton manages to do not only the the wordplay and uh, the kind of standard comedy of like kind of roasting uh, whatever you're making fun of, but also does character work and. T- to create a narrative and not just a what the fuck is going on here he has a narrative and on top of that he has uh he's describing what type of moron would even want to do this without actually just trying to be a normal human being just like it it's bad enough that you're getting a bucket of chicken it's it's exponentially worse when you're like well just throw the mashed potatoes in the court just put all of that in there come on who who the fuck are we fooling i'm 800 pounds let's do this right like he, he manages to do that. And then, like I said, that I, that I thought about while I was talking, the meta joke is he's also making fun of kind of a more American decadent culture of like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? Can we not just, can we not have some bit of, <laughs> of civility and just put our food on a fucking plate and eat amongst each other? Do we got to just shovel it in with a tiny little spoon or tiny little spoon? Do we got to shovel it in our face with a tiny, you know, a uh, little shovel that we call a spoon, whatever. I was trying, see, I can't, I was trying to riff a fucking new joke on top of this great joke, and what the fuck am I doing? This is a, I'm talking about how much of a classic bit it is, and I'm doing the standard comedy thing of like, no, I gotta riff, I gotta, I gotta one-up it. I'm not gonna be able to do that. Um, but I, I, <laughs> just the layers that he was able to create, uh, with, again, it's, 
The, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about comedy so much that you kill the bit. I'm going to do it, all right? The creativity of this bit is is just top-notch to me. I, again, I've heard so many, and I'm, you know, the reason I am where I'm at in my career is, like, I don't, I, th- this is one of those inspiring jokes that it's, like, push yourself to think outside the box as an artist, like, as a comedy artist, if I can get pretentious for a second. Uh, it's, it's a lot like if, if you were painting portraits, right? And, and this is a bit of a hyperbole, but just stick with me just as a, a, a stand-up comedian listening to another stand-up comedian. If you get really good at painting portraits, people go, man, that's a great fucking portrait artist, right? And then someone like Patton with this joke comes and thinks just a little bit outside of the box, uh, which can spiral into something as creative as like a Picasso portrait, where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Whereas this, I would say, is more like a Vincent Van Gogh, to where it's still a portrait, but he's using different colors than uh, just straight realistic portrait paintings and the brush strokes you can see every single one of them this is where it so if someone like I'm trying to think who would be a Picasso where it's like what the fuck is going on um, oh maybe uh, one of his contemporaries another part of the comedians of comedy Maria Bamford maybe a Picasso artist we will talk about her in a future episode for fucking sure um, but she's like a Picasso artist where she does shit. You're like, what the fuck type of joke? Where's the joke? And then all of a sudden you're laughing. And a lot of times you don't know why. She's just a fucking weirdo. She's a Picasso artist. You can see where the portrait is, but mainly you're just trying to puzzle piece a bunch of triangles and circles and squares into something that resembles a joke. And then once you see it, you start to laugh, right? Whereas Patton, I think, is the intermediate between my bullshit, which is like, oh, yeah, that looks like a person, and Patton's, which is, oh, that's an artistic person, right? Just the layers of comedy here uh, are inspiring to me, and I, it makes me it makes me want to go back uh, and look at some of my bits uh, that I currently tell and be like, all right, now that I have the skeletal structure, now, now that I have the portrait painting uh, up. In what ways can I repaint this to where it's a more creative way? You still have the skeletal structure. You still have the the, the the structure of a person that everybody can recognize. That's the structure of a joke. I have the lines that I know work. But what's a creative way of uh, of telling it or producing it on stage uh, that gets across the same message, but also in a way that's even more like where the fuck is this coming from? Um, and, the, and then here's another thing that inspires me about this that's attached to all of this, right? Maria Bamford is inspiring of, like, that's something I just can't do. It's like watching someone play uh, uh, piano. I mean, if I took enough time, I could maybe do it or um, dunk a basketball. If I took enough time, maybe I could do it, right? Just all, all I do is just squat jumps, right? Uh, but I know that it's almost beyond my just physical capabilities. However my brain works, it'll never work the same way uh, as it does with Maria Bamford, the way that she just communicates, right? Whereas Patton Oswalt, um, I know that my brain is not to his level, right? He's a fucking major league 
baseball player that just <laughs> that just crushes home runs all the time. More like a double A AA or triple A player just going like, one day I'll get up there and wear the big time jersey. But I know that we're playing the same game. I can see I can see some of the similarities in how we write. So to watch his brain go from the mode where it's wordplay, angry rants, um, kind of sarcastic, sardonic uh, uh, diatribes, to watch it go from that to creating a whole narrative with character structure and still having that vein of angry sarcasm is inspiring of like, oh shit, that you can push yourself to grow your art uh, once you've per- once you've perfected the means and ways that you know how to uh, write a joke, right? Not to say that I'm getting perfect, but Patton is. Patton's pretty perfect at doing what he does best, and he's managed to compile all of that skill and then funnel it through another vein, which is, you know, small-time character work and narrative. I, I very much... And now that I've been sucking his dick on what he does do perfect... Uh, hands down, it is just wordplay. Like, one of my favorite lines, it, it's so goddamn quick, and it, I feel like in the hands of somebody else, it would be eye-rolling um, just because uh, like, wordplay and changing upwards got super um, I don't want to say overdone, but goddamn it, I, I've heard it so much. It's kind of fading away, thank God. But there was a long time after Dane Cook got big, and nobody gives him enough credit of like renaming something. So I'm, fuck, I just did it. I, I'm a goddamn hypocrite. So <laughs> I'm trying to be funnier, and I'm about to bitch about the people who do the thing that I just did on this fucking podcast. So Dane Cook, instead of calling a spoon, he would call it a tiny shovel, just like the bullshit I did what two minutes ago. What a fucking dickhead I am. Ugh. That's me spitting on my own brain. Uh, But Dan Cook really popularized that. He wasn't the first one to do it, but goddammit, that was his whole MO of like, oh, do you ever... uh, did you ever eat some cereal with a bowl and a and a tiny shovel? That's what I call a spoon, a tiny shovel, right? You get a get a bowl and a tiny shovel. You shovel it in your mouth with a spoon. Uh, that was I'm, I think that's a pretty good Dane Cook. Uh, but I've heard so many comedians do that, where they just rename something for uh, humor's sake, right? And a lot of times it's eye rolling of like, okay, we know, like at least Dane had the persona to where it's like, yeah, maybe he does do that, you know? Like a Chris D'Elia, I could, a lot of his bullshit that he peddles, I don't know if he actually does it, but I'm assuming like it fits his character. But, you know, someone like Patton Oswalt going like, hey, you ever, you you ever eat cereal with a tiny shovel? I'm Patton Oswalt. Like, no, you don't, Patton. You don't eat it with a tiny shovel. You eat it with a spoon and you eat too much cereal. (laughs) So Patton didn't do that, but what he did do was he painted a picture with words, and that's that's what I quite enjoy, and I think really, really good writers of comedy do without you even knowing. Uh, Dan Cook was kind of a blunt object with it, kind of told you what he was doing, whereas Patton, again, you can see the brush strokes. Uh, that Vincent Van Gogh, that thing... Usually I take notes at the beginning of these. Uh, I took a few of like bullet points of what I want to talk to talk to you guys about. But that Vincent Van Gogh 
Picasso analogy came off the top of my head, and fuck you, I think that's a great analogy. We're gonna stick with it. Holy shit, I'm a fucking genius when it comes to dissecting comedy. Not doing it, or I'd be famous, and there'd be more than just Ted listening. Uh, all right, so you can see all the brush strokes of what I'm about to say, right? So he says, uh, can you liquefy my lunch and put it in a caulking gun and inject it right into my femoral artery, right? So he's that fat loser guy saying like, oh, what? <laughs> I, w- I want my, oh, I forgot the line that he says, uh, I just want a light brown hillock of glob. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Let's start there. I want a light brown hillock of glob. Describing all of those ingredients, the corn, the gravy, (laughs) the mashed potatoes, the chicken, in a bowl. You could describe it many different ways. A light brown hillock of glob is not even analogous to anything. It is just a super descriptive version of what it is. And it's somehow, it's somehow in itself its own joke. Uh, there's a, I think it's Sartre, there's a philosopher that we've talked about before on this podcast to where it's like, if you break down anything, it could be uh, eating dinner, right? If you break down anything to its molecular components, everything becomes absurd and silly, right? Like, you're not just eating dinner on a wooden table, you're carving pieces of a dead carcass up on a dead tree just to feed a dying body or something like that uh was the example that i read once and that in itself is kind of silly and absurd where you're like oh yeah that is what we're doing like if you just if you just tweak the looking glass a little bit you kind of see how ridiculous everything is and light brown of glop is a hundred percent one of those like yep that is that is exactly what you're eating it's fucking gross right so let's get back to the other one uh so this is where you can start seeing his brush strokes uh in all the wonderful colors and you're like wow that portrait that you just painted is amazing looking so saying uh i'd like to liquefy my lunch put it into a caulking gun and inject it right into my femoral artery basically describing like yeah i just want i just want my food as fast as fucking possible i don't give a shit just fucking give it to me all right i'm not here to (laughs) i'm not here at the kentucky fried chicken to savor all the seven herbs seven special herbs and spices at seven i don't know how many it is but like nobody's going there like ooh, is that paprika no everybody's just narfing down hunks of chickens without buttholes right (laughs) and the best line i think of this whole part to me is uh right after he paints that picture he just goes, nope, you can't do that. Well, until you can invent, until you can invent a lunch gun. I love how he painted all of. So he he did, he did the uh, with the light brown hillock of glop, right? He made the Kentucky Fried Chicken Bowl absurd, right? Then he painted his own picture of liquefy a lunch gun. Like it's already an absurd, like what the fuck type of picture. Like if that. Uh, liquefy my lunch, put it into a cocking gun was its own kind of weird picture. He then makes that look absurd by calling it exactly what it is, a lunch gun. I love, I love being able to build like an inception joke 
off of itself, right? You're already making fun of something. Then you make fun of your own joke within the joke. I think that's uh, that's, that's quite a layered uh, perfection of a joke. <laughs> calling calling what you described a lunch, and you know he you know he probably wrote lunch gun first, then went back and said, well, I can just describe leading into this what <laughs> uh, what it is, and then at the end call it lunch gun. And it's such a fucking perfect. That in itself is its own perfect little joke that you don't need the other fucking three minutes of this. But yet he continues to just build this fucking masterpiece. Uh, and then at the uh, at the end of it, right? So you, again, this is like an Inception fucking joke. I love it so much. Uh, you got light brown helicopter. Then you have liquefy my lunch, put it into a caulking gun, then calling that a lunch gun. Then to bring it all back. He just says uh, at the very end of it, uh, until you invent a lunch gun, uh, I just want you to put all of that food into a failure pile. In a, I want to put, I want to have a failure pile in a sadness bowl. He rounds everything that he said in that one, what, thirty-second kind of diatribe. It goes light brown hillock of glop, but I'd like this make fun of this, then make fun of all of it by saying exactly emotionally what it is. Light brown hillock of glop is exactly what it looks like. Failure pile in a sadness bowl is what it feels like. So he hits every fucking emotion of uh, the, the, the absurdism of what it actually is. Then the next one is to amplify how absurd it can be, right? Liquefy the lunch gun. Then you show how absurd how absurd it can be, calling that a lunch gun. Then you talk about then you show how absurd the emotion is that wraps all of this together, which is failure pile in a sadness bowl. What a fucking and again, Patton didn't think. Uh, whenever I dissect comedy, by the way, no comedian is thinking this level of depth into their jokes. They're just going, ah, oh, this would be funny. This is funny. This is funny. So l- let's just say that however many episodes in this fucking podcast I am, nobody's thinking this deep. However, to appreciate it for layman's people, this is how fucking good it is, is that you can dig this deep down, which is why this is fucking art, you can dig this deep down into it and still come up with gold nuggets even though he's fucking mined everything. You see the process, whether his brain is thinking about it or not, how deep and emotionally invested you get without even recognizing it because you're just sitting there going, <laughs> that's silly, no, cocking gun, bleep, right? Uh, yeah, and then it doesn't end there. What, by the, every single one of these turns and shit, these could all be closing jokes to this joke and yet he continues going on. This whole bit could be his closing fucking bit to the whole CD. And yet each line or each punchline could be its closing line to its bit. So each one of these lines could be the closing line to the whole fucking CD. <sighs> okay. I don't know why I'm getting so angry at how good this is. I think it's because I, when I was listening to it, I kind of forgot about this bit. And then when I listened to it, I'm like, what the fuck? Well, how long have I not talked about it? This is one of my favorite bits of all. It's so fucking funny. I've also watched too much comedy uh, and listened to it. So, uh, anyways. Uh, so at the... All right. So how he ends it 
is by then singing a song, which I think is so funny, uh, that Pat Oswalt of all people, Mr. Angry Diatribe, uh, and then kind of smartass, turn-of-phrase guy, does character work, and then it ends his character work joke with a song that also develops his character. You find out that he goes, uh, uh, you find out that he went to Kentucky Fried Chicken to, to invent uh, on accident the Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> uh, famous bowl, right? And he went on his birthday, right? Happy birthday. Then you find out that the guy is 43 years old. Happy birthday. I'm 43. Then he wins up it by... <laughs> he he won up all of it by saying, I live in my parents' basement. Oh, shit. He says, I live in my parents' basement. Happy birthday. I'm 43, right? Just giving all of those details of like, yep, no, that would be the guy. That sing-songy character part, that's what I was talking about er earlier of like, that is where my brain would go, right? Where, uh, where I was saying like, oh, this inspires me because I can see a little bit of where my writing uh, in the Venn diagram kind of intersects with Patton. Mine would go, who's this 43, or who's this dude living in his parents' basement on his 43rd birthday eating a fucking blah, blah, blah. Like my brain would go there. But that's not even close to as funny as having the guy you imagine him just sitting on a futon in a basement in the dark just eating this hillock of glop all by himself uh on his just on his birthday singing a made-up happy birthday like this is the only happiness this man has and then <laughs> uh at the beginning of this he goes america like he's almost proud that he can do this in this country, or this country. I'm in Canada now, what the fuck? Anyways, he can do that in America, where he's like, America, look how great we are. Uh, and then it slowly, it slowly gets sad, where he's like, this is great. And you almost picture him slowly eating through the bowl, through each line, like, America, eating my lunch in a single bowl. And then he starts getting towards the bottom of the bowl, like, in my parents' basement. Oh, oh no. And then he, he takes that one last bite of, like, gravy. Happy birthday. And then there's nothing left. I'm 43. Like, you can almost see him get sad through the whole thing. Uh, and then uh, he does, uh, at, towards the end, like, Oh, Jesus, come move my jaw for me. Uh... I don't know. I don't know what to say about that last one. I love it. I, I, I love this whole bit. I love. Can I say love anymore? Jesus Christ. Uh, Come work my job for me. I think this is a perfect example for anybody wanting to do comedy or just understand comedy of how far you can push the art form once you've already established how you're your own comedy brain works. We all work differently. You know, some people are fucking prat falling, like, oh, I'm gonna, like Johnny Knoxville, I'm gonna go get hit in the nuts all the time. Or, uh, you know, a patent who can uh, do a turn of phrase, or Louis C.K. who can uh, paint a picture, or another white guy that I can't think of. Um, <laughs> I just made myself laugh. Uh, I, I think this is a, 
at least a nice inspiration to me that I want to uh, put out into the world that you can uh, you can further your technique into different creative modes that not only highlight what you've already uh, established and perfected but that also kind of give you more depth to character that it, it, that it's not so um, not traditional but not so repetitive right comedies are all about setting up patterns and then uh, diffusing it diffusing I think that's right uh, subverting that's what I meant to say setting up patterns and subverting it and Patton here is kind of doing that uh, of his whole act right of he set he set up the pattern uh, on his first album of uh, showing showcasing exactly how his brain thinks and writes and then this one immediately out the gate his first joke shows hey this is gonna this isn't necessarily gonna be like the last one and it wasn't in my estimation got it, it, it was not the peak of his uh, I, I don't want to say that I don't want to say peaked on the second album but god damn it is this not one of the greatest comedy albums of all time and I'm ashamed that I haven't talked about it with you guys before. Uh, I, I, I am not a good comedian. I am not good at reviewing uh, comics. What the fuck am I doing? I'm just kidding. I'm great at both. And uh, just there's a lot of comedy out there. And it's nice to be reminded of uh, how much more episodes and conversations I get to have with you in the future about comedy. But there's always going to be little gems like this. I'm still, after two years, getting surprised by my own art form uh, of shit that I've already heard. Like, I own this comedy album. And uh, that's, why, uh, that's why comedy is the greatest in my estimation. Is that when it's fucking... Even when it's good, it's great. And when it's great, it's fucking inspiring. Um, you guys are great. You guys are inspiring. I love you. I'm gonna kiss you right here. Alright, that's cool. I just sexually, sexually harassed my entire listening audience. Um, anyways, uh, you guys have been great. I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Please go out and... Li- if you honestly have not heard Patton, Os- Patton Oswald's... Uh, werewolves and lollipops if you haven't heard that album i swear you got go listen to it and you'll laugh your fucking ass off it's so good some of the jokes are dated but some of them actually stand up like he's got one on there uh i actually tweeted at him after i listened to it about um how after bush got elected how he feels like we're in a, a wacky universe where everything's just fucking weird and uh man i wish uh I wish 2007 Pat Oswald could now talk to 2018 Pat Oswald. It's gotten much weirder, bud. <laughs> um, anyways, you guys are amazing. Go out and find your own comedy. And remember that something, something, dark side. I'm stealing a joke in my podcast. Oh, fuck me. Ryan, go out with something funny and cool. All right, give it up for Ryan. The editor. Love you guys. Bye.